1: Uh, Before Ryan brings his message this morning, please join with me as we read from Proverbs chapter 1. If you have one of the church Bibles, it's on page 628. Just the first seven verses of Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instructions in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you. (coughs) Good morning, everyone. I'm Ryan, if you haven't met me before one of the pastors here at church, and i uh, just going to get this sorted. It's exciting that we get to kick into a new year, particularly thinking about wisdom and the way of wisdom and what kind of wisdom we need for a new decade. So I'm going to pray for us and then um, let's, let's push into a wisdom for our new decade. Heavenly Father, we come to you now for light and life and strength to send us into a new year and a new decade. Father, as we feel our faith weak or our hearts dull or not ready for another year, another decade, we want to be able to come to you And so we come to you now for life, strength, hope, and wisdom. And so we pray that you would, Father, use this morning, uh, use your word given to us to send us off into this new decade with uh, the wisdom that comes from you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, One of the the big lessons that I've been learning over 2019, or should I say the lesson that I have been relearning over 2019, is that I am not in control. Now, for many of you, you know that for Sarah and I, uh, 2019 brought the birth of our first child, Hosea. And he has been an instrument of God in my life to teach me over and over and over again uh, that I'm not in control. Here's some examples for you. I've realized through Hosea that I cannot control where and when he decides to vomit. (laughs) I'm out of control. I do not have this moment together at all. Another moment uh, where I realised that I was not in control was when we took Hosea, when he was four months old, on a trip down to the Central Coast with the ministry team here at church to the team pastoring conference that we go to. And on that trip, Hosea got quite sick. And so we ended up taking him to the emergency ward at the Gosford Hospital. And they told us, or they found out, that he um, had bronchiolitis, he had a chest infection and that he needed to get all the mucus that was kind of caught up in his nose out. And so they pinned him down and used a vacuum to suck out all the mucus. In that moment, you know, I know that I am not in control. I do not have this together. I cannot fix this. We ended up having to rush Hosea and Sarah back to Brisbane so they could just be home and get to our local hospital. And so getting into Brisbane, flying into Brisbane, they went to the the children's hospital, and they put Hosea in an ambulance and sent him down to Logan Hospital. And Sarah sent me this picture, and I tell you what, nothing like receiving a picture like that of your four-month-old child can tell you that you do not have it under control. I cannot fix this. It's moments like these for me that have reminded me again and again that I am not in control. But let's face it, you know, we don't have to have kids to know this, to feel this, to get that we we don't have life under control. You know, for all of us living in Australia, living in Queensland this year at this particular time, we know, uh, confronted with the bushfire crisis, that we do not have this under control. Because you see, again and again, as... Firefighter after firefighter gets interviewed on TV and says, the only thing that is going to stop this is rain. <clears throat> all the, the manpower, all the, the strategies of fighting fire, you know, all the special equipment like water bombing planes and helicopters, all the support from the American and the Canadian firefighters, All the megalitres of water scream at us that we do not have this under control. We're not in control. Despite how hard we try to avoid that we're not in control, it seems to be so easily exposed whether it's from my son to bushfires to our physical and mental health to our relationships to our work situation, all of these things, every day of every week of every year, we are confronted with this reality that we are not in control. And we all know what it's like to not be in control. So how can we go into a new year go into a new decade in a world where we're not in control? Well, the book of Proverbs helps us make sense of this. Now, the book of Proverbs, uh, in the book of Proverbs, we're stepping into a conversation between a father and his son, where the father is teaching his son the way of wisdom, the way of walking with God in the world that God has made. And for God's people, the book of Proverbs... Uh, helped them make sense of what it meant to live in God's world. You could say it helped them navigate the streets of the world that God made. It's a divine book on street smarts. How to walk with God in the way that God has made the world to work. And we see this in the opening verses of Proverbs that, that Peter read out for us. Pick it up with me. Verses 1 to 6. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. It's the king of, who sits over God's people. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and in prudent behavior, doing what is right, just, and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and direction to the young. Let the wise, or those who are older, Listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables and the sayings and riddles of the wise. Or in other words, the book of Proverbs, did you notice it, is for wisdom. It's for knowing how to walk with God in God's world. So what does Proverbs have... uh, What wisdom does Proverbs have for us, living in a world where we're not in control? And Proverbs starts in verse 7. The wisdom starts here. Verse 7 is often known as the the motto of Proverbs, where it takes us to the heart of wisdom, takes us to the heart of what it is to walk with God in God's world, and it is the fear of God. Verse 7, the fear of the the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or to take that and put it in the words of of the question we're thinking about, the fear of the Lord is at the heart of living in a world where we are not in control. But what kind of fear is Proverbs talking about? Because it's not the kind of fear that might first come to mind. It's not the kind of fear of a horrific flood. It's not the fear like a phobia of spiders. It's not that kind of fear. The fear that Proverbs is talking about is the kind of fear that is reverence, that is wonder, that is awe, that is respect. Fear uh, is that interesting experience of the mixed emotions of awe and love with fear and trembling. This is the start This is the core, this is the heart of walking wisely in a world where we're not in control. It's the awareness that God is the creator and I am the creature. It's the awareness that God is God and I am not. It's to live and breathe in the awe and fear of God. But to reject this, uh, to resist this, to look down upon our creatureliness, our humanness, uh, is foolishness. And that's what the second part of verse 7 says. Fools despise this. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So why, then, is fearing God so important when it comes to how we make sense of control? What's God wanting to show us about the connection between him and our not being in control? <clears throat> Well, the fear of the Lord has everything to do with control because God is the all-powerful God. This conviction is often captured in uh, in the Christian thinking or Christian books or, or what we call theology with this big word, omnipotence. Let me explain it to you. It's very simple, and it captures a whole lot of information about who we know God to be. Omni simply means all in all things, in all places, over all things, all. Now potent or potency means to have great power, to be unbounded, unlimited, infinite in power. God is omnipotent, he is all-powerful. And so just because we're not doesn't mean that God isn't. Just because we're not in control doesn't mean that God isn't in control. And so the fear of God is to live with this awareness that God is the all-powerful God. To live in awareness that God's power is the power that created everything by simply speaking. It's the awareness of God's power in that He sustains everything that exists simply by willing it to. It's the awareness of God's power in that Jesus came to be a man that he walked on water, healed the sick, raised the dead, that he brought God's love and justice together on the cross. That is where we see the all-powerful God. And so, when we, so we can walk into 2020, into this new decade, not because that we are in control, but because God is. And so when we think about this new decade, maybe, maybe we need to actually to slow down for a minute. To slow down, to confess and embrace because God is God, it's okay that I'm not. Because God is unlimited, unbounded, infinite in power, It's okay that I am limited. It's okay that I am bound. It's okay that I am finite. Because God is creator. Not only is it okay, but it is good for me to be the creature. It is good for me to be human. But the crazy thing about this time of year, when we come to New Year's, uh, our shark not only gives us the motto of New Year's as you know, the new year and the new you, but it also pushes this sense that at this time of year, if there's any time in the year, it's now that you take control of your life. Now you start to plan. Now you start to think of all the ways that you uh, want to take control of in your life. And so it's this subtle temptation that New Year's kind of whispers in our ear. You should be in control. I can be in control. I'm going to be in control. So how do we navigate that temptation, that bent within our heart? How do we embrace God's all-powerfulness? Does embracing God's all-powerfulness mean that there's nothing for me to do? How do we make sense of living in a world not only where we're not in control, but where God is? And this is the tension of wisdom. This is the path of wisdom. Wisdom teaches us to live in the tension of who God is and who we are. And so Proverbs in 1 to 7 reveal that at the heart of wisdom is this fear of God but the rest of the book of Proverbs is this collection of wisdom teaching us how to live in the tension, teaching us how to live in the awe and fear of God and there's a few places that really speak directly to what it means to embrace God's all-powerfulness. And let me just kind of if I can, paraphrase them all together, summarise them all, and then we'll just have a look at them. I'll read them out for us. So here's a summary or a paraphrase of what these verses are communicating to us about God's all-powerfulness. So although that God has given us the ability, like him, to do stuff, to influence, to make an impression, to have power, it's nothing compared to his unlimited power, unbound infinite power so fear God because or fear God by remembering that he's in control because no matter how wise you think you are no matter how insightful you think you might be no matter how well planned and strategic you are none of it will succeed if you reject and resist God None of it. Let's hear Proverbs speak to us. Listen to Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 to 3, and then verse 9. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will be established. In their hearts... uh, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. uh, Chapter 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Chapter 21, verse 30. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Although God has given us the ability like him to do stuff, it's nothing compared to God's unlimited, unbounded, infinite power. Let me tell you a story about uh, Paul. Now Paul is one of my closest mates. Uh, in fact, he's more like a father figure to me and in many ways he has been you know, a dad to me. He uh, Introduced me to Jesus. Not only did he introduce me to Jesus, he helped me uh, come to, to know and to, and to love Jesus. We would be hanging out all the time. Most of the, usually like once a week, we'd be getting together. Uh, we loved playing slot cars together, so we'd be always planning when was the next time we could set up a race. And you know, the slot car set that he had uh, had this really awesome ability to you know um, make the cars have a fuel limit. And so that you had to pit, or unless you hit a particular lap, you'd run out of fuel and you'd lose. Uh, You know, so we'd play slot cards together. We'd, you know, we even had a trophy at the end of the night. If you won uh, the best of three races, you got the, the trophy. And we'd also, though, read the Bible and pray together. I'd sit with them and have a meal with them as a family. We had a lot of fun. But the thing is with Paul without a doubt, every time that we planned uh, to catch up, he would always finish the conversation on the phone with, Lord willing. Now, I don't know how that strikes you, or how you would respond to to someone finishing the phone call like this, hey, look, uh, 7pm Monday night sounds great for dinner and, and slot cars, Lord willing, see you then. Okay Maybe a bit cringeworthy, a bit pious, a bit unnecessary. A bit of a, like this, that, that empty phrase that we are just so like common just to throw in to make us appear godly. But for Paul, it was no empty phrase. It was not for show. In fact, it was deeply felt for Paul because he actually never knew if he would be able to make his plans come off because Paul suffered from chronic fatigue. He actually didn't know whether he would even be able to follow through on the plans that we would make. In fact, there'd be many times where we would be reading the Bible together and I'd be talking, excited, and he would fall asleep. All right. Um, wake up. Oh, sorry, let's keep let's keep going. See, for Paul, here is a man who understood, who felt deeply within his bones, that he was not in control. He was never in control of his life. And although you know, we might not have chronic fatigue or any kind of chronic anything. We all, though, are confronted with our weakness, with our inability to control our life. We're not in control. And so when we plan, we plan, knowing that God ultimately has it all together. And so if we go into 2020... Thinking that we can be in control, we're not walking into 2020 walking with God. You're walking into 2020 thinking that you are God. And so, as we think about what this means for us, you know, let me just pull out just one idea of many that come out to us in uh, these few verses, particularly in verse uh, chapter 16, where it says, "Commit whatever you do to God or to the Lord." It's three thoughts that might help us or guide us as we think about making plans. It's whatever you do. It's whatever you do. Don't agonise over what to do. It says, whatever you do choose to do, whatever that might be, do it and commit it to God. But as we know in Proverbs, there's this healthy balance of having the fear of the Lord influence what we do do and so to commit our plans to the Lord literally means to have our plans and God's plan kind of roll together where they are on the same page not on two separate pages there's a what we could say a shared understanding a shared direction in a sense a shared action that we are on God's page we're on his team participating in what God is doing And whatever we do do, we're to seek to keep in step with God. It means asking the question, who is God in these moments? And what does it mean for me to honour Him? What does it mean for me to keep in step and love Him right now out of this awe of Him? But the other side to this word, uh, commit, uh, has this sense that we submit our plans to the, to the Lord. It's that attitude that we see reflected in Jesus' life where he says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Because behind this idea is that God can literally roll over, turn over, flip the script on us. But it's in these moments where we know that because of Jesus, we hear God say to us, you know, from the New Testament in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, we know... That in all things, in all things, expected or unexpected, that God works for the good of those who love him. So whatever you do, do. Choose to do. Thinking about how you want to honour God in what you do, know that we might get it wrong. And when we get it wrong... It's okay because God's in control and he uses his power to work all of these things, all things for our good. So although that we're not in control, God is. Now, if you're someone who isn't a Christian, if you're someone who would say that you don't live your life in the fear of God, if you would probably say that, you know, my life is more displayed by rejecting and resisting God than it is being on God's page... If you'd say that you're probably more of an enemy of God than a friend of God, listen to how God exercises or uses his power in even your life. Because in Romans 2, God talks about that in love, Jesus died for us when we were still his enemies. God uses his power for love for good, even when we're not on his page. It's, confronting, oh, it's, it's comforting to know that God has it all together and that out of his love, he works all things for our good because it is really hard to trust someone who has all the power, isn't it? It's hard to not be in control. It's actually quite vulnerable. Often it can feel very unsafe But not only do we know that God works his power out of love and for our goodness, but that we know God knows what it's like not to be in control. God knows what it's like not to be in control. God knows what it's like to be limited, to be bound, to be finite, to be human. We just celebrated this, our Christmas, where God the Son came to be with us, when God became a man, the man Jesus, he ste- when He stepped into our world, He stepped into our likeness, He set aside being in control. He set aside being unlimited in His power, unbounded, infinite. And he trusted. He had to trust that his Father God was. And there's two places where, well, two or many places where the New Testament really brings this out for us. And let's just read them and, and just have them uh, confront us with who Jesus is. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. Jesus, who, who being in the very nature of God, didn't count equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, Hebrews chapter two verse seventeen. For this reason, he had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because of God's son Jesus becoming like us God knows what it's like to be limited and not in control when God's son came to be with us he gave up his control he embraced being 100% authentically human limits and all Yet he didn't sin. And God was pleased to do this. He wanted to, he was willing to. It's out of love he did this. And he became like us. So, in those moments for me, with Hosea's vomit in my beard, with my four year old, oh, four year old, <laughs> four month old son strapped into an ambulance chair. I am not in that moment saying to God, maybe let alone even thinking of Him, with the thoughts that God, thank you for this moment where you are confronting me with my lack of control. I am so thankful that you're in control. What a moment for me to know you! I feel so blessed with this opportunity. That is not what I am saying. That is not what I am feeling. That is not what I'm thinking. I am scared. I am sad. And I get angry. I try to take control. You know, by behaving in a way or speaking in a way that somehow I've become the all-powerful God and that my word changes things, that I can yell or scream or raise my voice at a baby, mid-scream and go, Hosea, be quiet! Silence! No! In fact, I only create disconnection, hurt, pain, suffering, because I think that I can actually be the all-powerful God and control my life control my circumstances honestly in these moments it's I am not okay with being limited I am not okay not being the one with the power I'm not okay with being human I'm not okay with not being God in that moment and that's foolishness that's sin and the result of our rejecting and resisting God being God in our moments where we're out of control is to separate ourselves from who he is And in turn, we separate ourselves from the people around us. And it brings death. I need a saviour. I need a rescue. I need someone to save me from me. I need someone to save me from our world where we're all thinking that we can be in control. I need someone to do what I couldn't do, live the life that I couldn't live and take the consequences for my foolishness. For my sin. To bring me back into a relationship with the all-powerful God, where he, out of love, works all things in my life out for my good. But what these verses tell us is that not only does God know what it's like not to be in control, but it tells me that God has done that for me. That Jesus came... And he lived the life that I couldn't live. He lived that life of being out of control and 100% trusting in that his heavenly Father was. He lived that life that I don't want to live at times, living a life where I'm not in control. The life Jesus lived, he lived in our place so that God would look on us and see someone who had always... Lived in a healthy understanding and awareness that he is creator, and we are the creature. Not only did though did Jesus live the life that I couldn't live, Jesus also took the con- the consequences I deserved for my foolishness and sinfulness, for my rejecting and resisting the fact that I am not in control, but God is. Jesus suffered the consequences of our lives lived in denial of our humanness and God's all-powerfulness. Jesus died in my place. He suffered the anger of an all-powerful God in our place. And so not only do we have this God who knows, not only do we have the comfort of knowing a God who is in control when we're not, but we have the comfort of a God who knows what it's like not to be in control and has done something about it for us. We can embrace and move into and face a 2020, a new decade, knowing that we're not in control because God is. We can even wholeheartedly pursue living the human life, aware in the fear and awe of God, knowing that when we fall short, when we fail, God's love and goodness towards us is never in question. because of what Jesus did in his life and on the cross. So how can we face a new year in a world where we're not in control? How can we face a new decade where we are not in control? We can face it because God is in control in all ways, at all times, over all things, working out of his love for us, all for our good. So let's, Take the invitation, take the call of wisdom to fear and be in awe of our all-powerful God. Embrace our humanness and walk in such a way that we know that God in love and his goodness is in control. Whatever you do, in whatever happens, God is loving and good towards us in all things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who is all-powerful. We thank you that in all things, in all places, over all things, your purpose prevails. And thank you that as we see you Make yourself known, reveal yourself to us in Jesus. We know that your purpose is love, is good. That you work all things, that we might come to know you, even though it might feel uncomfortable, it might surprise us, it might be hard. Father, you are wanting the moments of our life, of our day, of our week, of our month, to draw us to see you to know you as a loving and good Father. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us your grace uh, to listen to your wisdom and to fear you, to be in awe and in love of you and to fear and tremble, Father, the truth that you are the all-powerful God. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Only